2: Oh, L-M-S-M. The 11 to 1 show.
3: L-M-S-M. Oops, I quit it again. It didn't last long, did it? Jamie Lynn Spears leaves the jungle. More after Hadaway. Hadaway, what, what is love? Love is your colleagues from the Michael Reed show giving you a gluten free mince pie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just had one. The first of the Christmas season was absolutely gorgeous. And I said, oh, oh, isn't that lovely? You're getting me a gluten-free mince pie. And the lad said, ah, no, we picked up the wrong box. (laughs) That's more accurate. Absolutely. Or more accurate. But thank you to them because it did boost my mood this morning. Well, as the front page of the Irish Sun says, oops, I quit it again. Great headline. Jamie Lynn Spears has left the building. Left the jungle. Yep. And oh look, we kind of thought that was going to happen, didn't we? I mean, it was great that she was in there. We got just enough goss as well about the whole Britney Spears sibling spats, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, the departure was sort of brewing up. You know, she was just not coping in the harsh conditions, which, you know, look, at, it's understandable. It is all well and good from us to be saying from the comfort of our sofas. Ah, come on, get on with it. You know, it's very different when you're in it. And, you know, you might recall back in 2019 when I started on this show, I did have my little brush with I'm a Celebrity also in the form of a charity version, which was, listen, that it was not for the faint of heart either. That was horrendous. So, you know, I can only imagine what it's like in the jungle. But, you know, I thought she was kind of getting on well. She bonded well with the celebrities. She was quite good you know, in the trials as well, she sort of got stuck into that, too. But you know, look at, she has exited uh, under health reasons. They say I'd imagine it's probably a mental um, or medical reasons. I'd say it's a mental health situation. Um, now, apparently, though, uh, you know the money involved in this. Like, what happens if you leave early? You know, apparently uh, contestants must stay in the jungle for at least 72 hours to be given their fee in full. If someone leaves before that point, their paycheck will be cut. So there you go. You know, she's getting her paycheck. See, she made sure. So she's going to go and grand look at I'm gone now. I'm going to leave. So there you go. Jamie Lynn, no more. Wondering who's going to win. I look, it's kind of hard to tell, isn't it? I don't know who's doing exceptionally well really in there at the moment. But anyway, I'm a celebrity, keeping us very, very entertained. Let's, uh, since I've had the mince pie and that's nicely settled, let's step into Christmas, shall we? Uh, Elton John, step into Christmas now at the weekend. If you are at a loose end, you'd fancied something nice to do. Well, there's a Christmas craft and gift fair. It's happening December 3rd in the Fairways Hotel from 10am to 5 And there's going to be lots of free face painting for the kids. 60 talented crafters and Elsa and Olaf will be there. So that's on Sunday, the 3rd of December from 10am to 5 in the Fairways Hotel. Going to take a quick break and then we are back with a very special appeal for Christmas. For Ukraine.
2: The Eleven to One Show.
3: With the war still ongoing in Ukraine, hospitals are in dire need of medical equipment and now Crutches for Ukraine, it's an appeal based in Cork, have been sending out crutches and other orthopedic supplies to hospitals in Ukraine for the past year or so but they need our help and one of the former staff from the Drawda Crafty Fox shop which was located in Lawrence Street starting out supporting the people of Ukraine through their Drawda Quilt for Ukraine Red Cross appeal. Now they are assisting with sourcing the medical equipment and I'm delighted to have Jackie Jolliffe and and Gillian Johnston in studio with me now. You're very welcome, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. Great to have you in the studio with me. Now, um, although you decided to close the doors of the Crafty Fox back in April, uh, Jackie, you have been so busy in your philanthropy work and supporting the people of Ukraine. Tell us a little bit, first of all, about sort of how the fundraising
4: came about with the quilts last year. Okay, so last year um, we were looking for something maybe a bit unique to try and uh, raise funds for Ukraine. And obviously being um, a fabric shop and selling quilting supplies, we asked our community of quilters, um, including our local Drahada quilters and the quilting group that met in our shop, um, if they would come together and perhaps um, make and sew up a quilt for Ukraine. So we supplied the fabrics and the ladies all jumped on board and they um, came together um one day and they they actually basically um sewed the top of the quilt in yeah. that one day. We got sponsorship from businesses and businesses in the town really rallied around us and they um, sponsored a block of the quilt. So a block is one of the squares. And um, then also people came in on the day and they um, also donated money on the day and, you know, into the shop and they came and looked at it when it was hanging up and they donated money then. So, Overall, we got over €6,000, which was brilliant. And then the quilt was given to... the Ukrainian priest in Dublin um, during one of the services and the people were just so so lovely and so delighted with the quilt and it's still up there now.
3: Yeah it's stunning and I saw some of the photographs of the quilt but also I saw photographs of everyone coming together. What a lovely idea to get these talented people together to natter away and sew away and make this wonderful gesture literally wrapping the Ukrainian people in love. I thought that was such a lovely idea.
4: Yes, it was. And and everybody really enjoyed the day and everybody was so willing to help, you know, and and they were so good giving their time and their effort to make it. So we were so grateful for that. So talk to me about crutches for Ukraine. Then how did you guys come upon this? Well, I had an injury a couple of years ago where I needed crutches, like many people. And um, when I didn't need them any longer, I thought I could just give them back to the hospital. But um, unfortunately, they don't take them back. The HSE doesn't reuse uh, oh, okay. crutches.
3: I didn't realise that either. Yeah. Mm.
4: So, for, for their own reasons, course, you know, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, I was kept an eye open and I was trying to find some place that um, I could either reuse them or recycle them even because you don't want to throw them out. I mean, mm. they were perfect. Um. So, it, it a couple of weeks ago, about two or three weeks ago, I was searching again and I came across a Facebook page um called Crutches for Ukraine, which you mentioned, and it's based down in Cork. So I contacted um the admin, which was John Gilroy, and he with a group of volunteers bring um deliveries over to Ukraine about once a month. Okay. And I asked him if he still needed crutches and he said yes, they were in desperate need still of crutches um, and orthopaedic boots and also uh, medical splints. Um, He said they were the things really that they could really need and they could transport easily. So um, I teamed up with Gillian and um, Gillian also had a pair of crutches as it happened. And together we decided to make an appeal in Drogheda. Now John said to me when he started the appeal down in Llandmarny, he got in a thousand pairs of crutches. I don't know if he drew down the gauntlet with that, but but <laughs> anyway, we um were really appealing for people to to look in their attics, look yeah. in their, look in their sheds or the garage, and if they have crutches they no longer need and they're in good condition, that perhaps they would donate them. Fantastic! And I was just going to ask Julian, how did you get roped into
5: this? Well, okay. well, Jackie, um, I also broke my leg um last January on New Year's Eve, so oh, um, I ideal it's no. not great so so it appealed to me when Jackie asked me to to get involved so um so um so we are looking for we're looking for good quality crutches you know we're looking for orthopedic boots and we're also looking for splints okay all in good in good Nick, you know? so so um we have two collection points in Drogheda mm-hmm. at the moment so we have the pain factory which is appropriately named Very so appropriate. okay so yeah, yeah. right <laughs> at the bottom of Lawrence street and um um they're open from monday um, from monday until saturday we also have the love Drogheda office Offices, which is down Meat Market Lane, just beside Penny's. Okay, and they are also open from Monday to Friday. So, if anybody has has either of those three, just drop them in there during the week. Um, we're also um, appealing to businesses to also to become collection points. So, we're looking for other businesses to reach out, and uh, um, also in places like RD um Dundalk, Navan, Drogheda, so and further afield. And we're happy to go and collect once those businesses have have you know collected some uh, some of these uh, equipment. You know, so yeah, so have so a So have a bunch of them, not just like drinks and drabs of one or two. I understand what you're saying. Yes, absolutely. Exactly. We've also reached out to schools, both primary and secondary schools, and it might be a good um, project for a transition year class to get involved with, you know, so um, and many schools also have Ukrainian students in them. So we thought it might be nice for them to get involved, you know, so. Oh,
3: it's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And like, you know, we were discussing earlier on, sometimes, you know, a lot of appeals are for money and that can put pressure on people. Absolutely. Something like this, as you say, you can just find them in, in a shed or in the attic. They're gu- guaranteed some people have these lying around. Yeah,
5: absolutely. And especially now at Christmas time when you're going up to get your Christmas tree or whatever, you know, yeah. hopefully be one lying in the corner. Yes, yeah, so fantastic. So <laughs> be great. Now, time
4: is of the essence, isn't that mm-hmm. right? As well. Yes, yes. yes. the next delivery going out from Cork is at the beginning of January. And we know, obviously, everybody is busy over the Christmas period, including ourselves and family are coming home and so on. So we're trying to collect um, as many as we can before the 15th of December. We can still get some after that, but before the 15th of December would be a a great deadline to to have um, as many as we can. Absolutely. And something like this, I mean, you know, like
3: what we're getting rid of, I suppose, is is going to such an important situation in Ukraine. I mean, like we said, they're running out of medical supplies. They really do need us to, to, to help and support in this way.
4: Absolutely. And and the thing is, there's actually a surprising number of Irish people over there in Ukraine. Yes, that's true. Um, you know, even from Doherty. Um, I'm aware of people who are over there. Some of them are actually on the front line, and some of them are working in in the background. But you know, there are uh, you know Irish people there as well. But they really, really do need our help. And. Um, you know, so if, if people have these items and they're only gathering dust at home anyway, why not give them to this great cause?
3: Fantastic. So the Love Draw office and the Pain factory, people can drop them in at any point and
4: you guys come in and, and collect. Is that how it works? That's yeah. correct. And just one other thing yep. that we thought and, and we thought it would be a great idea if um, workplaces would come on board and maybe hold, uh, bring your crutch to work day um, and allow people to bring their crutches into the workplace. Give us a call. We'll come up and collect them. Very little effort needed by the workplace and no costs involved whatsoever. It's a fantastic idea, ladies. It
3: really is. And I think what you're doing is, is really, really fantastic. Thank you so much for, for joining me today on the show. Oh, thank you very much thank for having us. Much. See thank you, Jillian Johnston and Jackie Jolliffe there. So if you've any crutches lying around at home, the Love Drohada office in Drahida and also the Pain Factory in Drohada as well, right up until December 15th. And there is a Facebook page as well uh, that people Can check out. It's the the Drohida Quilt for Ukraine Facebook, but you'll find all the details for the crutches for Ukraine on that Facebook as well.
2: The 11 to 1 show
3: a powerful ad there isn't it yeah and one in three women have experienced psychological violence from a partner at some point in their lives and one in six have experienced physical or sexual violence by a partner since the age of 15 we are continuing our Together for Zero Tolerance campaign it's the 16 Days of Action Against Domestic Violence it's a global campaign raising awareness and taking action to end domestic violence and gender based abuse and we are supporting Women's Aid and Doc of women and Children's Refuge and Mead Women's Refuge highlighting their work and support for victims of domestic abuse. So these supports in, are really needed uh, to continue, and this campaign is running right up until the 10th of December, and we are supporting them. We're going to be chatting in a little while about coercive control because, as the ad suggests, not all abuse is necessarily physical so we're going to be finding out more about coercive control very very shortly in the meantime they also have an i donate page set up for the three charities that we are supporting it's idonate.ie forward slash fundraiser forward slash lmfm and you can stay tuned here for more and you can find out more details lmfm.ie now just before we discuss coercive control we're going to go back to the music now here's the script Script with Superheroes. Continuing our focus now on the global 16 Days of Action campaign, we are raising awareness uh, about domestic abuse and gender-based violence and supporting the local women's refuge centres here in Louth and Mead. And today we are discussing something that has become more prevalent in recent times, coercive control. And I'm delighted to have Amanda Alty. She is the outreach team leader for Mead Women's Refuge and Support Services. She's on the line with me to discuss. Good morning, Amanda. How are you?
6: Morning Sinead, thanks for having us
3: on. Great to have you. Now, coercive control is something I only kind of started to hear about around COVID lockdown, but this is something which is quite a common experience for women who are reaching out to you.
6: Yeah, absolutely. So nearly every victim or survivor that we work with uh, would have experienced some level of coercive control. So it's very rare to have other forms of domestic violence and abuse um, without coercive control. It sort of underpines um, all of the other types of abuse. Um, And you're absolutely right. We did hear more about this during COVID. Um, And I think some of that has to do with just the increased isolation that COVID Mm -hmm. brought on for all of us. Yeah. Um, That the isolation really stopped women from um, accessing their support, spending time with family and friends. um, And that really made it easier for abusers to be able to to control their partners.
3: Absolutely. And and do you find that this form of abuse is often misunderstood or, or, or overlooked by society?
6: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, many people I think find it hard to believe that the person that they know to be kind and charming to them in public could be a completely different person at home with their partner. Um, So that kind of leads people to think that maybe the woman is lying or overreacting um, and not really telling the whole truth about her experience because that's different than their experience with with the abuser. I suppose with coercive control, it also operates on fear and everyone has a different definition of fear. Everyone's afraid of different things. So what I'm afraid of, you might not be afraid of, Sinead, Mm. um, and vice versa. Um, And because of that, there really are as many tactics as there are stars in the sky um, when it comes to coercive control.
3: Okay, so what exactly is coercive control then, first of all?
6: So coercive control is a pattern of abusive behavior that's designed to dominate another person. And the key part of that is that it's a pattern Mm -hmm. um, that is very difficult to to recognize in an isolated incident. It's usually part of a much larger kind of constellation or or cluster of events that that could be identified as coercive control. So an abuser will use coercive control through intimidating um, their partner. Blackmailing their partner, isolating them, um, humiliating them, degrading them, um, or even constant monitoring, and they do this to kind of break the will of their partner, uh, to brainwash their partner, and the overall goal is to take away the independence of their partner so that they can have total control. So, so
3: you've mentioned kind of some of them there. Just what would be the 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 red flags or the signs that this is happening?
6: So. Um, because there are so many different tactics, the biggest red flag or sign is how the woman is feeling in the relationship. If she feels like something is, is off, something probably is off. Um, so many women that I've talked to have said that coercive control feels like walking on eggshells, like they can't fully relax even when they feel like they should. Um, it's like if someone put a blindfold on you and asks you to walk backwards down a flight of stairs, that kind of level of anxiety, um, it's not normal to be feeling um, constantly uneasy around your partner. Um, also I suppose if you feel like you can't do anything right, no matter how hard you try, then it's probably coercive control. Um, and the thing with, uh, with domestic violence and abuse is that the abuser could write you a book on everything you should do and shouldn't do when you should do it, how you should do it, and you could follow it perfectly. And the abuser would still find something, um, to, to be abusive about, um, Because it's not at all about the victim. It's about kind of keeping that control and putting their partner down to to accomplish that.
3: That's a really good way of describing it. First of all, I have the image now of someone blindfolded, trying to walk backwards down the staircase. But as you say there, you know, you could be literally doing everything that they want you to do to the the letter. And it's still not right. So everything from, you know, there's a, a lot of things that people... Might, know, might not know, let's give kind of scenarios here, like everything from controlling, you know, food, calorie intake, talking about weight, controlling money, controlling movement, all of that sort of stuff.
6: Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, it's so important to recognise that it's so subtle. So, Okay. And it never starts on the, the first date. It starts very slowly um, and then worsens over time. So, like, if you think if you went on a first date with someone and they told you, Um, actually, I want to limit your calorie intake. I don't think you should be eating that. Um, I'm going to go through your phone and delete all of your mail contacts. Um, Also, I don't want you wearing makeup anymore. You'd never go on a second date with that person. Yeah. Um, But it really does start very slowly and then gets worse over time. So an example of that might be um, if you're on a first date with someone and they tell you that you look beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then the next time you see them, you're not wearing makeup. And they say, wow, you're so beautiful without makeup. And then maybe the next time they see you and you are wearing makeup, they say, um, oh, you're actually prettier when you don't wear makeup. And okay. then the next time, if you're wearing makeup, then they say, why are you wearing makeup? Who are you trying to impress? So it's yes. that kind
3: of cycle. Yes, that's a really, really good way of describing it. I'm actually getting a message coming in on 86 1 And this is a really important point. Can you ask your guest, does coercive control exist in all professions? Like, say, if a person is married to a GP, a psychotherapist, absolutely is what I'm going to say to that, I would say, uh, Amanda.
6: Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, again, I, I really think that an abuser will, uh, will use their status and their mm. position um, in the community to enhance that course of control, because it's much harder for a victim to feel like she'll be believed if her abuser has that level of status. Um, so absolutely, it can happen to anyone um, in any profession
3: Yeah, this is not class specific or anything like this. So, you know, we've talked about tactics, we've talked about uh, signs. What can friends or family do if they suspect that someone they love is a victim of coercive control?
6: Yeah. so uh, domestic violence affects one in four women in Ireland, which means that most of us will know and love someone who's been affected by abuse. which means that we all have the power to be that support for someone who needs it. I think we often feel like, you know, that happens to other people, but it doesn't happen in my own life or not to anyone I know. Um, So it's really important that if someone does disclose that they're experiencing coercive control or any type of abuse, um, that we listen to her, um, that we believe her, that Mm -hmm. we remind her that she's not crazy, um, reinforce that it's not her fault, even if she decides to stay. And that's a big thing. Um, Give her information and support without telling her what she should do. Um, And remember that she might have limited um, access to resources. Mm -hmm. So I know sometimes it can be frustrating as a family member or a friend um, if someone you love is still in an abusive relationship. But it's so important to remember that um, that she needs to do this in her own time and in a way that's safe for her. And we can't necessarily dictate that for her.
3: Absolutely, that is so key Amanda and I'm, I'm, thank you for bringing that up because you know from the outside looking in it's all well and good, us judging and kind of you know, but I think from yesterday reading out Michelle's story, Michelle um kindly gave us her, her story to read out and one of the things that struck me about that story was you know, she explained that it did take a long time and that she didn't feel safe enough to reach out straight away and fear is a big thing and this is what happens with abusers, they keep the victim victim in a cycle of fear they keep them thinking that they're going out of their mind that they're imagining things and another key thing that you've said there as well and it's something that has cropped up and it's so problematic in in the media in terms of different court cases and trials where women weren't believed you need to believe the woman when she comes and and says this to you or, or or opens up in this way
6: yeah yeah absolutely
3: and in terms of legal protections or measures that can be put in place to address this, you know, what's the situation like there?
6: So the Domestic Violence Act of 2018 um, includes coercive control in the legislation, which is amazing. And that was that was a huge win for victims and survivors of abuse. Um, so what that means basically is that if someone needs to apply for a protection order, a safety order, a barring order, um, they can now do so on the basis of coercive control. So that means that there doesn't have to be Um, a level of uh, physical Mm -hmm. abuse. Um, And that also means that uh, coercive control is a criminal offense now. Um, Now, even with that, one of the biggest barriers is again, that it's so difficult to recognize without seeing the big picture and without seeing that entire pattern. Um, So women, really uh, need to give kind of the entire history and show the entire pattern for it to be considered course of control because that one isolated incident may seem harmless or non-abusive.
3: Absolutely absolutely and this is where you guys come in talk to me about the supports available to those experiencing this kind of abuse and and how can we combat this?
6: Yeah so in Meath and Lab we have three uh, services so I am from Meath Women's Refuge and Support Services here in Meath. Um, there's also Women's Aid Dundalk and Drogheda Women and Children's Refuge. So um, the advocates here are experts in understanding coercive control and supporting women through this um, and helping them access uh, counselling and other services. So we can help with that court process. Um, one of the one of the things that can be helpful for court is to keep a diary okay. of, of different events that happen, um, so that you can kind of mark the days where there was an abusive event um, and uh, tips like that. That's the kind of thing that we can help with. We can help with putting together statements um, to kind of give the best opportunity for those court orders to be granted um, and just really talk through and support through the entire process. Um, we would do a lot of safety planning around this as well mm-hmm. uh, because it can be very dangerous and very scary to take that step. So, uh, so we would be supporting, supporting women to do that.
3: Fantastic. Um, and yes, go on, continue. Sorry Amanda.
6: Yeah, so um, we also, we are very non-judgmental, so we would never, I think sometimes there's a stereotype that if you access domestic violence support services, you have to be ready to leave the relationship, mm-hmm. and that's 100% not true. Um, we can really support through um, any stage of the relationship. We will never force anyone to make any major decisions. Um Fun. about, about their, their situation.
3: Yeah, so important as well. It really is. Amanda, I thank you so much for taking the time this morning to go all of, uh, through all of that information with us. Yeah, thanks, Janine. Thank you so much. Amanda Alti, Outreach Team Leader there. Mead Women's Refuge and Support Services. All of the details of the phone numbers and supports that you need in the local area can be found on lmfm.ie.
2: Oh, L-M-F-M. The 11 to 1 show. What?
3: Very sad news reaching us. The death hasn't been announced of Pogue's frontman and songwriter Shane McGowan. He was 65 and has been ill for some time. We will update you on the news at 12 on that one, but very, very sad.
7: LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Senator Windows products will help you create a secure, comfortable, energy efficient home you're proud of. Call 0818
3: on this day in 1985, Chrissy Teague, an American model born in Utah and today is National Security Day. So our electronic devices, smartphones, that sort of thing, they're part of our everyday life and the communication has become easier than ever. But it is important to keep your online data safe and that's what National Computer Security Day is all about. LMFM
7: Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Creating the perfect home is a journey. Let us guide you. Visit our Drada, Dundalk, and new Navin showrooms. Discover more at senatorwindows.ie.
3: We are going to be taking a break for 12 news more on Shane McGowan's t- sad passing. And after that, we are going to be talking to Curtis Stegers. He's coming to Balbriggan.
2: The 11 to 1 show. E.
3: Uh, It's only right, given the sad news of the passing of Shane McGowan, that we play this absolute classic. Have a great competition in association with Fairy House on the way. But first time to check in with Celebrity News.
7: The Buzz on LMFM. Keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app.
1: Hi, I'm Max. Julia Roberts is back on our screens, but this time it's not a rom-com. She stars in a new thriller called Leave the World Behind on Netflix. Here she is describing it.
7: It's a thriller. It's insidious, like the psychology of each person. It's not just the circumstances. That's what I love about it. It's usually thriller. It's like a circumstance. Something happens, you know. But this is like the way we let our mind get away from us, Um, rightly so or wrongly so. It's like it's the dark of night thoughts brought into the day. Ooh.
1: Taylor Swift surprised Swifties on Wednesday by dropping You're Losing Me from the vault to celebrate being Spotify's global top artist in 2023. The Grammy-winning singer wrote on social media, This is unreal. I just wanted to say to anyone who listened to my music this year, anywhere in the world, thank you. Getting named Spotify's global top artist in 2023 is truly the best birthday-slash-holiday gift you could have given me. In the new Christmas film Candy Cane Lane, starring Eddie Murphy and Tracy Ellis Ross, the co stars deal with holiday hijinks that lead to plenty of punchlines and physical comedy. But Murphy explains why the stunts weren't too taxing for him. It's
2: not really physically challenging for me, and Tracy is uh, fun and game to do stuff. So a lot of stuff you see that look like it's physically challenging, it's probably my stunt person. <laughs>
1: That's The Buzz I'm Max
7: The Buzz on LMFM Keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app Oh I love it Eddie Murphy
3: Leave it to the stunt woman Absolutely brilliant Now time for competition The Bar One Winter Festival of Racing is happening this weekend in Fairy House with a top class racing card on Saturday and Sunday. And here is your chance to win a Fairy House racing bundle for two. So you get free admission, a race card, a free bet, food voucher and a complimentary drink. It is a fantastic prize and all you have to do to win is answer this question. Name the Irish jockey... From County Meath, who won Dancing with the Stars in 2022. You can also see her in Ireland's fittest family. Who is it? Name the Irish jockey from County Meath, who won Dancing with the Stars in 2022. Answers, please. 086 1800 658. And we pick a winner towards the end of the show. Miley Cyrus used to be young. Now it's impossible to put his music into one category or another. He is back in Ireland bringing his This Life tour to the Lark Concert Hall in Balbriggan. We're going to be chatting to Curtis Steigers next.
2: The 11 to 1 show.
3: He has worked with the likes of Elton John, Eric Clapton, Prince, Rod Stewart, the Allman Brothers Band and so many more over the years and for the past 30 years this singer-songwriter, saxophonist and guitarist has been making records that confound those who try to categorise his music or put him in a box. Arriving on the pop scene in the 90s with the hit song I Wonder Why but then surprising everyone with a move into jazz. He's known for his very distinguished and sultry voice, he's toured with symphony orchestras, played for royalty and presidents and he's been nominated for an M- Emmy. Now he is back in Ireland and he's playing in the Lark Concert Hall in Balbriggan tomorrow night. I am delighted to be joined by multi-platinum singer, songwriter and musician Curtis Steigers. He's on the line. How are you getting on Curtis?
0: Um, very well, very well. Thanks for, uh, thanks for checking in with me.
3: Oh great to have you on the show. Now from pop, soul, jazz, blues, rock, like it's absolutely impossible to put you in a box. Is that the plan was that the plan all along to never sort of be pigeonholed into any sort of one genre of music.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I um I just uh, I grew up listening to all kinds of music. I I my record collection spans uh, the gamut of of stuff, and so I wanted to learn how to how to do all those things, and uh, um I uh, I just. Uh, I just when I got bored, I tried something new. It made my managers and record companies crazy, but uh, it's just it's sort of who I am. I'm, I'm always looking, uh, I'm looking elsewhere, and uh, you know it's it's been a it's been an interesting career. It it mm. it, uh, it kept me from you know being in that in that position where I was going to maybe make billions of dollars. But I, I have a career where I'm the boss. I do everything. I I'm the producer. I pick the songs. I write the songs. Uh, I have the, the final say. I'm, I guess I'm a bit of a control freak. Well oh,
3: listen, from one control freak to another, and that's like worth its weight in gold in the music business where there's so much manufactured... Oh don't get me started Curtis on the music business at the moment but I it's it's refreshing when you do have have somebody like yourself but you know you were talking there about your eclectic taste which brings me to you know a sort of a, a question that sprung to mind would, would you recall then your very first album that you bought
0: Oh yes, I would definitely recall it. It just it just turned 50 years old actually, which sort of blew my mind. Uh, the first album I bought with my own money was Goodbye Yellow Brick Road by Elton John, who was uh, my first hero, and I you know I mean I I just I, I I knew everything about him back in the in the 70s when I was a kid, and uh, um, eventually got to open for him and, and uh, you know have brunch at his house and oh. things like that. It was just so crazy. I mean that's that's one of the that's been one of the amazing byproducts of, of being a recording artist is I've yeah. gotten to meet my heroes. And uh, most of them are pretty great folks.
3: Yeah, which is great to hear. Well, you know, that's a really cool first album. Mine was Michael Jackson's Off the Wall. Not, you know, it doesn't kind of compare now to to, to, the, to Elton John, but, but you know, absolutely brilliant. Um, now, when I think of you kind of, you know, heading the big time, you know, to use that phrase in sort of the, the 90s with I Wonder Why and you're on this crest of the wave, you know, big career, pop beckoned, but you then shift gears to, to jazz. That surprised a lot of people to say the least. Uh, did you have people in your ear going, what are you doing? This is the way you're going to ruin your career. Did you have all of that going on?
0: I suppose I did. Yeah, I I, I, uh, I was told by a famous producer that if I made a jazz record, you know, it was just going to, that was going to be the end of me. And uh, in fact, it, it sort of, it, it, it sort of started my career over again in a, in a direction that I wanted to go. I had made three pop records. Uh, I don't I don't think the the pop industry uh, uh, the world was waiting for me to make another pop record. It wasn't mm. like they were w- waking up in the middle of the night and thinking when's that new Curtis Tigers <laughs> record coming out. And I had grown up I'd grown up playing jazz as well as you know punk rock and yeah. and uh, and. Pop and soul and blues and whatever, um, but I'd grown. I studied jazz, and I always figured I would be able to make a jazz record, and then make a couple of pop records, and then make a jazz record. What I found was that the record, the big record companies, didn't want me to do that. So I, I made that step because I knew that I could make a living playing live. That was that was what I wanted to do. That's what I grew up doing was playing live on stage. That's how I define myself as a live musician. I make a record every couple of years. I love doing that. I love writing songs. I love um, you know, coming up with new material. But frankly the reason I do that for myself is to have more songs to play on tour. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. who I am. So,
3: and, you know, when you, you start, you, you talk about when you started off, were you introduced to music at home? Like, were you growing up in a musical household? And, and what came first? Was it guitar or saxophone?
0: Huh? Well, my, my mother was a, a big music fan. She she was a rock and roller. She loved, uh, I remember when we we first heard the song Angie by the Rolling Stones oh, yeah. on the radio when I was a kid, she said, that's not the Rolling Stones. That doesn't rock. <laughs> <laughs> my mom, my mom thought that uh, Mick was going a little soft there. Yeah. But uh, um, so we listened to a lot of music around the house. Everything from rock and roll to you know Neil Diamond and yeah. John Denver and you know I mean there there and I you know I still have some uh, some guilty pleasures because of my mom's uh, taste in music. But uh, but I um, I started playing clarinet first. Actually, oh. I, I played clarinet in the. Uh, in the school band, mm. uh, because that's what—that's the instrument that I inherited from my cousin Diane when she left school. <laughs> so oh, oh, yeah, that was the instrument <laughs> that was there, and it was free. Uh, eventually, I switched over to the saxophone. I continued to play the clarinet for a while, and you know, mostly classical music. But uh, the sax—I could play it in, in a lot of different types of music, whereas the clarinet was was limited. So, and then if, after that, I started playing drums, and I played drums a lot in, in rock bands and oh, pop rock no bands idea. and things. Um, but the saxophone, you know, just was there. Uh, it's, it's, always been, it's always been a part of me since I was about, uh, I don't know, 11, 12 years old. I've just always had a sax hanging around my neck. So when I started making records, it, didn't, it made sense to, to be a singer and a saxophone player. Uh, and sometimes I, I regret that just because it's so damn heavy. <laughs> <just have> to <laughs> yeah. carry, carry this thing all over the world.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I have to just sidestep now from the early career to kind of, let's fast forward a little bit because um, I, only very recently, Curtis, I had no idea. And I'm a massive, massive fan of, of the TV show Sons of Anarchy. And I was like, oh, my God, Uh, because you see your voice, you see, right? As somebody else, uh, I spotted this somewhere. I was like, yes, this is exactly it. Your voice ages like a fine wine, deepened by experience. So this is why maybe I didn't recognize this. But you perform the absolutely iconic song for the TV series Sons of Anarchy. Talk to me about this, because was this your first kind of foray into something like this? And how were you approached for it?
0: Well, my my first really big break um, w- with a movie um, was was back in ninety two. Bodyguard, uh, no, yeah, yeah, ninety two. I was on I was on the Bodyguard mm. soundtrack, which was huge for me. I mean, I. Sold 45 million copies thanks to Whitney Houston, but uh, but this um, the Sons of Anarchy came about because the uh, music supervisor uh, is an or was an old friend of mine. Um, we had made records together, Bob Seale, Jr. And he called me up one day and said, "Hey, i I just got a new job uh, doing this TV show, and we need. We, I was hoping you could write lyrics to to the theme song." And uh, I asked him what it was about, and he said, it's about gun-running bloodthirsty bikers. And I said, (laughs) no wonder you called me. (laughs) And and so I wrote some lyrics, and I I, I sent back a recording of it. And uh, um, the the, the creator of the show, Kurt Sutter, he, he tweaked the lyrics, made some changes to it, sent it back. I sang it again. And I got a call from Bob, and he said that 's perfect. you know what they 're going to use this recording mm. they 're going to use your voice And I thought I was just actually writing the lyrics i mm. didn 't realize I was going to be the voice. so it, it turned out really well because the so show well. was massive, particularly in the states. Um, it just It just took off and uh, um, i didn't you know i didn 't make a fortune from it or mm. anything i didn 't make a bunch of money, but just getting getting my getting me out to a bunch of people who wouldn't have heard me before. Yes. I think probably it confused people when they go to my website after hearing the song, which really rocks. It's very sort of blues rock. It's called This Life, um, yes. which is actually the title track of my latest record. But uh, um, they, they'd hear that and then go to my website and hear this, this jazz, these jazz records <laughs> and think, well, who is this guy? Which I guess is has been the question my entire career. Who the hell is this guy? <laughs> That's the point,
3: absolutely. As we mentioned, This Life is the the new, the the latest record. Talk to me about this and talk to me about the show because you're going to be coming to Balbriggan to the Lark Concert Hall tomorrow night.
0: Yes, I'm really excited to play the Lark. I was meant to play there uh, in May and it, the, uh, the construction fell behind and the place wasn't finished. I got to tour... Uh, you know the place, and it was about three quarters built. It was gorgeous, but it was still there was still a lot of dust and and rubble around. So we played in a smaller room at the, at that facility. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm I'm very excited to come back and actually play the theater. Uh, the new album, This Life, is a look back at my 30 years. Well, now mm-hmm. it's 32 years in the record business when the album came out it was the 30th anniversary and and i haven't looked back much as we've been talking about i i just have continued to sort of look for new things to do and and sort of refine and and reassess my sound i decided to take a look back at some of the songs that i'd recorded that sound different now live because i i tour in a couple of different ways i tour Uh, When you see me in Balbriggan uh, in a couple of nights, I'll be playing my acoustic guitar, and I'll have a keyboardist and and an acoustic bass player, and then I'll play a bit of sax. A little bit more kind of uh, Mm stripped-down acoustic pop, soul, I don't know, folk, whatever, um, with with the blues and the jazz thrown in there, too. Uh, But I I have been touring with a jazz band for a long time, and we took songs like I Wonder Why and You're All That Matters to Me and even This Life, the, The Sons of Anarchy, theme and uh, what's so funny about peace love and understanding which i re-recorded for the the bodyguard and i put i put these new versions oh, on this excellent. record to yeah. just sort of say this is where i am now uh and you know it, it was it was it was nice to take a look back and to say hey i I have come a long way. I've, yeah. I've, but the but the songs are still there. They're still, they still, you know, they still say something to me. They still speak to me as a, as a human being.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. You've shown no signs of slowing down. So, dare I ask, what's next, Curtis? <laughs> well, it's
0: a good question. I've, I've got. Um, I, I, my 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 mind is spinning right now. Actually, this is I can tell I'm getting ready to record something because I've got about four different albums in my head. You know, I've never I've never gotten a chance to record an album with an orchestra. I just mm-hmm. played with the RCE yeah. Concert Orchestra this summer in August uh, with my friend Brian Byrne, conductor arranger. Oh, the Brian Byrne from
3: this neck of the woods as well. What an absolute legend! Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. From yeah. yeah he's, he's from Nevin. Yeah, he's from and. and He's wonderful. We've been pals for, for many years and uh, he, he, he wrote a bunch of new arrangements for me and we're trying to figure out how to make a record together in the next year or two. So Exciting. That, it's, it's hard to, you know, you never know what I'm going to do next. You
3: never know. Because no one
0: tells me what to
3: do. <laughs> nobody tells you what to do and that is the way we like it. Curtis, thank you so much for taking the time this morning to chat to me. Really looking oh, forward to seeing you uh, and, and continued success in whatever you do next.
0: Thank you so much. Great to talk with you, Sinead
3: lark.ie that is where you're going to find all of the information Curtis is playing there tomorrow night in Balbrigant lark.ie oh listen we have to have this I wonder why legend Curtis Tigers I wonder why going to take a quick break we're back with music from the four of us and there's another great prize over on LMFM's Facebook page I'm going to give you all the details of that
7: competition as well
2: 11 to 1 show
7: With Gilmore's, your Mercedes-Benz dealer in Kingscourt for the full range of new 2024 Mercedes-Benz cars and over 100 certified used Mercedes-Benz now in stock at Gilmore's Kingscourt Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and at Gilmore's.ie
2: If you or a loved one gets hurt you'll want a faster road to recovery at Leia Healthcare's Urgent Care Clinics, you'll be seen by a consultant-led team in 60 minutes or less for injuries including breaks, burns and bob bumps Switch now at LeiaHealthcare.ie. Always a beat ahead for you and your family with Urgent Care in 60 minutes or less. Insurance provided by Elips Insurance Limited trading as Leia Healthcare. Lay Healthcare Limited, trading as Leia Healthcare and Leia Life, is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Urgent care clinics available to all aged 12 months and over. Well-being benefits available to Leia Healthcare members the black friday sale continues at harvey norman with cashback deals on bosch claim 100 euro cashback on the series 6 induction hob with power boost just 729 or 629 after cashback or claim 50 euro cashback on series 4 built-in single oven with pyrolytic self-cleaning just 599 or 549 after cashback with our best prices guaranteed why shop anywhere else but hurry the harvey norman black friday sale must end soon Cashback via Supplier Redemption only. Terms and conditions apply. Ask in-store or see online for full details. Take It it to the Limit
7: is a celebration of the Eagles by Johnny Brady, Simon Casey, Nigel Connell and the
3: Sheeran family. You can hear Take It to the Limit for one night only at the TLT Drogheda on Friday, January 12th. Tickets, €32. Now on sale from the Theatre Box Office or online from the tlt.ie.
7: Exporters. Further Brexit-related changes are coming on the 31st of January 2024. The UK Government will introduce new checks and controls on goods entering Great Britain. Every Irish business exporting goods, especially food or other agricultural products to Great Britain, should be aware of the new requirements. Traders should examine their British supply chains and get ready for the new rules. For more information visit gov.ie forward slash Brexit. Brought to you by the Government of Ireland. And they're off! Looking for your
3: next proper day out? Don't miss the electrifying atmosphere of the Bar One Racing Winter Festival at Fairy House on Saturday second and Sunday the third of December. One of Ireland's most popular racing festivals, with two days of top class racing, including three Grade One jump races. You'll get to see a host of superstar jumpers in action, plus there's live music from Baza Band on Pilgrim Street. The Fairy House Winter Festival is not to be missed. Get your tickets now from as little as twenty euros. Look now
2: at FerryHouse.ie oh, The 11 to 1 show
7: With Gilmore's, your Mercedes-Benz dealer in Kingscourt for the full range of new 2024 Mercedes-Benz cars and over 100 certified used Mercedes-Benz now in stock at Gilmore's Kingscourt Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and at Gilmore's.ie
3: So many prizes all for you. This is an association with the Gateway Hotel in Dundalk. They have announced a new mouth-watering selection of all-day dining menus for breakfast, lunch and dinner. You can find them all at gatewayhotel.ie. And to celebrate, they've given us some great prizes to give away, including a lovely hotel stay with dinner and Prosecco, midweek lunches for two and a superb three-course evening meal for two with cocktails. So if you want to be in with a chance of winning any of these great prizes, simply hop over to LMFM's Facebook page or the LMFM website and you'll find all of your details there. Nice little prize, all in association with the Gateway Hotel and for more details, gatewayhotel.ie. there's Nels Barkley with crazy last chance for you to enter it's the Bar One Winter Festival of Racing happening this weekend in Ferry Fair ha- House top class racing card on Saturday and Sunday and we have a racing bundle for two up for grabs it's free admission a race card free bet food voucher and complimentary drink and all you have to do to win is answer this question name the Irish jockey from County Meath who won Dancing with the Stars in 2022 very easy 086 Donna, Papa, don't preach. I want to say a big happy birthday to David Kelleher. I'm not sure whereabouts you're from but your family is thinking of you today so hope you're having a fantastic birthday. We can say Dina Roach in Ashburn. You are winning that racing bundle. It was of course Nina Carberry was the answer to the question. She is the jockey from County Meath who won Dancing with the Stars in 2022. That is my lot on the show for today. Thank you so much to all the guests and for your company I'll chat to you again tomorrow.
7: Listen back to the eleven to one show podcast on lmfm.ie or the lmfm app.